Tech Talk with your host, Tom Dioria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom Dioria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the second Sunday of August. It's August 9th, 2015. We're on at 6 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona where it's very hot. Today we're live from our New York offices and we're going to be discussing Humans Need Not Apply with our guest, Dr. Jerry Kaplan. I am Tom Dioria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated and together with our listeners, our weekly show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests follow this from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email us suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369, and if you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send us email questions at that email address I gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. We monitor that throughout the show, and if you can't get on today's show, we'll definitely uh, send you an answer and try and get your question on next week's show. And we're also being simulcast on the web. So if you can't get to your radio and you want to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. In the upper right-hand corner, as I said, will take you to all our shows. You can download them, send them to your friends, listen to them as many times as you want. It's free, so take advantage of that. And please call any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. The first segment is how we can review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world, combined by Dan Dioria, Dave Brandon, and Jose Batista. Public News Service tells us that New York State could soon be generating enough renewable energy to replace the nuclear power produced by the 40-year-old Indian Point Center in Westchester County. This week, Governor Cuomo celebrating the topping off of the construction of Solar City, a factory in Buffalo expected to make enough solar panels each year to produce 1,000 megawatts of power. Jim Judson, executive director of the Nuclear Information and Resource Service, says Solar City could be a game changer. A study found improved energy efficiency in renewable energy sources could replace Indian Point by 2022. Uh, Justin says the state's ramping up its renewable energy programs that time could be even sooner. Energy, the company that owns Indian Point, calls nuclear power clean energy and notes that the plant employs about 11, about 1,000 full-time workers. Energy has asked the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to extend Indian Point's expiring operating license for another 20 years, but opponents say it isn't needed. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio recently announced the city, which uses power equivalent to one-quarter of the plant's output, 
receive all its energy from renewable sources within a few years. Opponents of nuclear power are calling the EPA Clean Energy Plan a victory because it removes a provision that would have allowed states to count existing nuclear power plants toward its clean energy goals. Well, personal opinion, I don't think that this is going to happen in the time frame they think it will. Um, people have been telling us for years that uh, solar power is going to replace everything, and we haven't seen that. And nuclear power is clean energy. My personal opinion is we should have more nuclear power plants. Yankee fans. Cranes tells us that Yankee Stadium visitors soon will be able to avoid long security lines, which they have become since the Major League Baseball has said uh, we should have uh, devices similar to those at airports, which I have no problem with. Uh, but they are long security lines. By registering your fingerprints with a biometric identity service used at 12 U.S. airports, visitors to the Bronx, New York ballpark who register for free with Clear will be able to use the fast access entries to get into the grounds. Two other stadiums, San Francisco's AT&T Park and Denver's Coors Field already use the service. Registration will take place in a tent outside the stadium with activation becoming immediate. Participants would need to upgrade paying $179 per year to use the service at associated airports, which include Dallas, Worth, Las Vegas, and San Francisco. Bags put to the games by fans will screen regardless of whether they are registered in clear program. The Yankees, 60-45 and leading the American League by five and a half games, are averaging, averaging 40,553 fans per game, the fourth in Major League Baseball. The clear program also will be available for fans attending New York City field hockey games. Now that's field soccer games. Okay. Bottom line uh, has a number of things to tell us. Phone scammers are increasingly posing as IRS agents with our attorney, Steve Weissman. The scammers uh, use, accuse people of failing to respond to numerous IRS notices. If the victim has caller ID, the uh, call will appear to come from the IRS. The scanners then say that the only way to avoid massive penalties or even jail time is to make a payment immediately. My suggestion to you is you call the IRS tell the person you'll call the IRS direct and they will tell you whether or not that's the case. The IRS never calls. Anyway, they always send notices. So don't get trapped into that scam. Uh, there's an article in um, the August 15th version of Bottom Line Personal. That's bottomline.com. Don't put off reading this article, Real Health for Five Kind of Procrastinators. I suggest you go there and... Uh, Take a look at that article. They also tell us that a company might sell your personal information. We hear from privacy expert Mark Rottenberg. Although firms that collect personal details on users usually have privacy policies promising not to divulge the data, the transfer of data to another company may negate the provision. So this is a study by the New York Times. 85 out of 99 top websites in the U.S. say they might transfer users' data in case of merger, acquisition, bankruptcy, or asset sales. So watch out for that. Okay, gadgets for better cell phone photos. Better zoom. Cell phone ma uh, cameras have fixed focal length lenses, and the views that they capture can vary, never vary. You can zoom in to get closer distance of using the pitch-to-zoom techni um, technique, but this is done using digital zoom technology that simply crops the image, resulting in degradation of the images. Good optical telephoto lenses come up to 12 times normal are available. 
for the iPhone and Android phones and are made by companies such as CamKicks. You can go to their website, camkicks.com, C-A-M-K-I-X.com. Take a look and see if that's going to help you do what you do. Hertz rental cars have hidden cameras, according to Bottom Line. The cameras are positioned to see the entire inside of the vehicle and cannot be disabled by the user. The company says that the cameras are not in use and that it does not plan to use them. So you may wonder why they put them in there in the first place. Helpful websites, hair loss strategies, drug remedies, and hair transplants, other treatments, go to AmericanHairLoss.org, scam update, personal reports of phishing, loan reports, and tech support schemes, go to BBUR.org backslash scam tracker, start a club, bicyclingbike.league.org backslash content backslash resource clubs, International Space Station locator. Find out when to spot the bright, fast-moving satellite in your area. Spot the station.nasa.gov. And finally, from uh, them, you can lose Social Security benefits if, if you owe the government money. So check on that. And apps for better road trip, road trippers, free iOS and Android, plots, attractions along your route, camp and RV, uh, it's $10 for iOS and Android, so you can try that out if you're planning a summer trip. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, Dr. Jerry Kaplan. We're going to talk to you about his book and robots and artificial intelligence. Uh, this is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Sunday, August 9, 2015. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back with our guests after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOri. It's the 9th of August, 2015. And as I mentioned to you before the break, uh, our guest is Jerry Kaplan. We're going to be talking about humans need not apply. Hmm. So Jerry Kaplan is a widely known as a serial entrepreneur, technical innovator, and best-selling author and futurist. He is... He co-founded four Silicon Valley startups, two of which became publicly traded companies. Uh, He holds a Ph.D. in computer science and is currently a fellow at the Stanford Center for Legal Informatics. Uh, Jerry also teaches philosophy, ethics, and impact of artificial intelligence in computer science department at Stanford. Uh, and uh, we'll get his contact information and more information about his book uh, as we get into this segment. So, Dr. Kaplan, thanks for taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Tom. Call me Jerry, please. Will do. So, Jerry, um, you have a book. Uh, What's the title, and what led you into it? Okay. Well, the title of my book is Humans Need Not Apply, A Guide to Wealth and Work in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. Um, I wrote this book basically as a call to arms, the age of artificially intelligent machines. You know, we basically we're in a situation here where the robots are coming, but whether they're going to be working on behalf of all of society or just some small cadre of the uh, super rich is uh, really very much in doubt. Really? Why don't you define to our listeners uh, for who may not know what artificial intelligence is, what that really means. I mean, I was involved in artificial intelligence, let's 
see. When was I at Carnegie? Let me say more than uh, 30 years ago. So I'm sure it's somewhat the same but different, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know what that means. Sure. It sounds like you and I are contemporaries uh, in that regard. <laughs> uh, a bunch of old guys. <laughs> uh, well, artificial intelligence uh, is pretty much what it sounds like. It's the uh, practice of programming machines and robots to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence or attention. A lot of our listeners are, are familiar with Star Trek and Terminator, two different forms of what might be considered artificial intelligence. What do you think? That, where's the future going here? Well, I think uh, Star Trek and Terminator are really, um, they're different visions of the future. They're not really technologies. They're, they're different ways in which things might play out. And the question, I guess, is which of them are we, is going to be the real future? And I would say that that really depends upon who you are. You know, we've got a lot of advances that are percolating in the research labs around the world, and they're really poised to have a far greater impact on our lives than most people really realize. And now, whether uh, these new technologies are going to be dazzling, like self-driving cars and robotic farmers and computerized drug discovery, well, you know, while they, those are going to be dazzling, uh, the problem is that our social and economic systems may not be up to the task of distributing the benefits of those new technologies broadly across society. You know, as people lose their jobs and profits accrue to the already wealthy, it's quite possible that we're going to experience a protracted period of social turmoil and uh, increasing wealth disparity between the rich and poor. So from my point of view, the future is very bright. The problem is the path there might be rather rocky. We know that economists and, I guess, pundits and politicals have been talking about inc income inequality, especially now that we're getting into an election. How do you perceive that? that playing out? I mean, do you feel, based on your experience uh, and research, that uh, more jobs are going to be lost? I do. The truth is that income inequality in our country is a national disgrace, and we really must do something about it. The problem is the new technologies that are coming out of the uh, labs, particularly driven by artificial intelligence, are going to uh, make this situation significantly worse. Because what's happening is that when you automate things, we're going to see an increase in the rate of automation. And automation is the substitution of capital for labor. And the people with the capital, therefore, are going to gain the benefits if automation continues to increase. I'm not really the first one to ring the alarm bell, but I do have a unique perspective, which is why I wrote my book, Humans Need Not Apply. You know, I'm a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, and I have a front row seat to this uh, new industrial revolution. And I have a unique perspective on what I think uh, that we really need to do about it. And uh, frankly, we need to apply the kind of creative thinking and the perspectives, novel perspectives, really, that the Silicon Valley is famous for to solve these kinds of uh, societal problems, as opposed to just merely uh, enriching ourselves out here in, uh, in uh, California. So that's why I wrote the book. And... Um, uh, I include lots of examples in the book of uh, what's going to happen and why it's going to happen and make this argument, I think, uh, come to life. Well, you bring up an interesting point. I mean, Silicon Valley 
develops technological advances in various areas solving problems that either they perceive or brought to them, uh, I guess, from what you're saying, not necessarily aware of or looking at the other possible ramifications of coming up with something like this. Um, we have about uh, two minutes left in this segment. Maybe you can give us one of your bold ideas um, for helping Silicon Valley address the issues that come out of this technology. Well, I think the problem is not for Silicon Valley to do it so much as for our economic policies. What we really need to do is to align our economic policies with our social goals. And um, in my book, I uh, explore a number of ideas, such as a progressive um, uh, corporate tax that is based upon how widely distributed the equity in a corporation is, so that companies that are more widely owned and therefore are uh, benefiting the largest group of people are, in fact, uh, have a, an advantage, a tax advantage in the marketplace. Now, that's just a single example of the kinds of ideas that I present in my book, Humans Need Not Apply. But we need that kind of creative thinking to really deal with these problems before they get significantly worse. This becomes more of a political problem, more of a, I mean, Correct. who comes up with these solutions? I mean, if t Silicon Valley is inventing artificial intelligence solutions to things that are perceived as, you know, needing more technology, how does that flow from them to to the people that are making the decisions, which are either keeping the current situation in place, making it worse, or trying to make it better? Well, the, the answer really is these are policy issues. So there has to be, a, a, so to speak, a national dialogue, which is now taking place to some degree with the political process, if you wish to call it that. Um, and uh, we need to be, first of all, we need to understand what's happening and why it's happening. And there's just so much misinformation out there. That's why I think, you know, I needed to write a book like Humans Need Not Apply so that people understand what are these technologies? How are they going to affect things? What kinds of societal effects is this going to have in employment and on income inequality? And how might we be able to align those goals better? It's not that we here in the Silicon Valley need to fix these problems. We're doing what we should do, which is come up with great new technologies that are going to make the world better, better place and make, make us wealthier. The real question is, who's going to benefit? And right now, the answer is the people who develop those technologies, not the people who are going to be using those technologies. In order to address that, those are policy questions, not uh, engineering or technology questions. I guess one of them, we have to take a break, but I'd like to follow yep. up on that when we come back to talk about uh, a little bit about how the technology might be able to point the people that are either using that technology or at least help other people benefit from them. But we're going to take a break. We're talking to Dr. Jerry Kaplan about Humans Need Not Apply, the title of his new book. I'm Tom Diori. This is IMI's Tech Talk. We're on KFNX AM 1100, and it's the 9th of August, 2015. This is a half-hour break, so you're going to get the international news. Please stay tuned, and we're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Sunday, the 9th of August, 2015, and our guest is Dr. Jerry Kaplan. We're talking about artificial intelligence, his book, Humans Need Not Apply, 
some of the ramifications of artificial intelligence solutions to technological problems. And before the break, uh, we were talking about how society may address some of these inequalities. And I guess one of the questions that comes to mind, Jerry, is when the technology is being developed, I know it's developed to solve a problem or introduce uh, you know, some new aspects of, of getting whatever the job is done. Do you feel that the technologists could be pointing this technology in a, in a direction that would help uh, benefit all of society, not just the rich people that are doing the development? Well, there, there are two ways to look at this. The technology itself is usually aimed to make things more efficient, to make our lives uh, better, to give you uh, more stuff at lower cost. That's the classic thing that new, new technology does. The question is, who benefits from that lower cost? If we're uh, finding a way to uh, accomplish something that used to cost $100 for $10, we've saved $90. The question is, does the person who is purchasing that product or service, uh, how much of that $90 do they get? Well, maybe we only need to give them $10 of that $90, and the other $80 is going to go to the people who invented and invested in that. Well, that's going to accumulate a larger and larger percentage of our wealth toward the people who create the technologies and who invest in the technologies. And med most of the population, most of our citizens, is not really in a position to take those benefits. So it's not that it's going to be necessarily bad for a lot of those people, except for one particular group, and that's the people who get thrown out of their jobs. They're going to have to learn new skills. Uh, they may go through periods of extended uh, unemployment, and those people are really going to be hurt. The, uh, the overall population may be slightly better, but they're not going to be very happy if they've seen escalating uh, elite that uh, effectively becomes like kings and queens and can do whatever they want and buy whatever they want, and uh, we're going to have a tremendous gulf in society. I don't think that's the kind of world we all want to live in. Is this uh, happening in all of the cases that you see when technology brings a, a new solution, or is it not as pervasive as I'm making it sound? It's not everything. I just think if you have to look at this as a, a, as a little bit more abstractly. When you have automation, automation is the substitution of capital for labor. And it, it, when we do so, you substitute that only if that means that there's more economic value being created. Now, that doesn't tell you who gets that value, which is the point that I'm, that I'm trying to make. So it's, it's not that every innovation uh, is good or, good or bad um, or that they're all good. Uh, it's uh, just that as a, as a general matter, when we have improvements like self-driving cars, uh, that's going to create a lot of wealth. The question is, where, where does it go? It's wonderful for everybody to be able to you know, call up, imagine uh, a taxi or an Uber if you're in a place where that that's available, and the car shows up and there's no driver and it costs you half as much because they don't have to pay the driver. That's great for you as the consumer. It's bad for that driver who may have lost his or her job. But uh, the, the benefits of that primarily are according to the people who own Uber. And so uh, the, all, how much of that wealth goes to them is really a function of economic and social policies. And those are discussions and policies that we really need to be able to uh, understand in order to achieve uh, our social goals in this country. So let's change gears a little bit here. Can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the recent technological developments that you feel indicate we're 
turning more of our lives over to computers. I mean, you just me- you just mentioned one example of the. I'm not sure I would get in a car that doesn't have a driver in it, but um, but maybe there are ways we're not thinking about. Well, let me address the last thing you said. You might be nervous about that the first time you do it, and it'll seem a little weird. But over time, you'll rapidly discover that those cars uh, uh, perform far better than cars that are driven by professional drivers. Yeah, as, so I was asking you to, as I was asking you the question, Jerry, I realized that uh, the New York City subway system has a number of trains that are driverless, so uh, you don't hear anything bad about them. Uh, well, that that's true. It's it's a little weird. I've I've been in a lot of driverless cars. A little weird the first time you do it, but uh, people will get very comfortable with it, particularly when you realize that that it's much safer and it's much more convenient and much lower cost than actually having to have a person sit there and and steer the steer the car. In fact, after I've experienced that, I've begun to realize it just seems silly that people should be driving cars. You're doing two things when you drive a car. One of them is. You're the sensors for what's going on in the environment. You're using your eyes and your ears to see what's happening around the car. The other thing you're doing is you're controlling the car. You're turning the wheel and pushing the pedals and all that. And we're no longer going to need to do that because we can develop, we have developed technologies that are capable of doing those two particular tasks and freeing you to do other things um, when, you, when you're in the car. But there's many, many other areas like that. That's just one of many types of technologies that are coming out of the uh, labs as a result of artificial intelligence, that I talk about in my book, Humans Need Not Apply. Um, so uh, lots of tasks that uh, you think of today as requiring human attention, like painting houses or digging ditches or uh, uh, working in agricultural settings to you know, plant, plant food or, or uh, collect crops, uh, reap crops and things like that. A lot of these are now going to be, it's going to become possible for these to be automated by new technologies that are coming along. Is this all a positive thing? I mean, forgetting the social ramifications like the Uber driver being out of work, is the technological solutions all positive? Well, I I think it depends on your point of view, but my general answer is yes. This is a very Silicon Valley view. Uh, These are good things. If they aren't, people aren't going to use them, and we're not going to roll roll these, these types of things out. Now, there are some areas like the application of artificial intelligence to military technologies to create autonomous weapons and smart weapons of various kinds, where I think there are essential ethical and moral questions that these devices raise. That doesn't mean they're necessarily right or necessarily wrong. There's no blanket solution to that. But the truth is that technologies are not uh, ethically neutral. Uh, Some things are are fundamentally good and and some things aren't. Uh, By way of example... Um, a, a knife can be used for a lot of positive things. You can chop up food. You can cut things up. Uh, it can also be used to kill people. But on, in general, the main uh, use of a knife is for uh, productivity, to improve your productivity. Uh, on the other hand, guns really don't have much of a purpose other than to shoot things, and we don't need to shoot animals anymore in order to capture them. Uh, they're, you, they're mainly used um, to shoot people. So that's a technology that is colored ethically, I think, in a particular direction. Your experience as an entrepreneur, and, and we've only got about a minute left in this segment, so I'm going to leave you hanging, but they've obviously shaped your views here. Talking about robot, robots and our culture and the economy, going back to, to how we started the segment, maybe you can give us a little quick perspective in a minute of 
how your experiences have shaped your views, and then we can come back after the break and fill that in. My experience is that, unfortunately, uh, believe me, I'm a free market guy, but Karl Marx was right. We've got a struggle going on here between labor on the one hand and capital on another. And with the acceleration in uh, automation that I'm seeing we're about to have, that's really a losing proposition for, uh, for workers. So the question is, what are we going to do about that? I don't think necessarily the right answer is to expand our social safety net with uh, more welfare and handouts to people who are disenfranchised, um, which really is just stirring up the pot in the hope of preventing it from coming to a, a boil. Uh, instead, we, what we've got to do is make sure that more people benefit from all this wonderful new technology and get a ride on the, uh, the gravy train, so to speak. Uh, we've got to teach people new skills. We have to equip them with the tools that they need in order for them to prosper in, in an age of, uh, of extreme automation. So we need to train future entrepreneurs and capitalists, not just laborers and clerks in the future. Let's come back and pick up on that after the break. I'm Tom DiIoria. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 9th of August, 2015, and our guest is Dr. Jerry Kaplan, who's talking about a things other than his book and in his book called Humans Need Not Apply. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiIoria. It's the 9th of August, 2015. The uh, topic of our show today is Humans Need Not Apply. Our guest is Dr. Jerry Kaplan, and uh, the title of the show is the title of Jerry's book. Jerry, where can they get your book? Uh, well, the easiest way to get it is get on Amazon and uh, purchase, it, uh, purchase it from them. Humans Need Not Apply, and put my name in, uh, Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N. And uh, it should pop right up. If our listeners want to get back uh, in touch with you to maybe query about some of the things we've been discussing or about your book, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Hmm. Well, I'd rather not be giving out my email address on the air. Uh, perhaps if they call your station, you can forward uh, uh, forward their comments on to me. Uh, that's a very good question. I'm not sure how somebody can reach me. That's uh, fine. Uh, in the introduction to the show, we give uh, our email address where they can send us questions. So, Perfect. Listeners, if you have a, a question for Jerry, send it in to techtalk at imi-us.com, and we'll get it to Jerry. Thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. So before the break, we were talking about the need when new technologies either displace people or um, don't spread the advantage to, to people as much. What, how do you think society or, or the organizations that are using this technology, what's their obligation to retrain the Uber driver? Well, that's a very uh, uh, good example. Um, let's just take Uber. Great company, wonderful concept. Um, and as you probably know, right now they're hiring lots and lots of drivers. I think they project that they're going to need up to half a million drivers if they're successful over the next few years. On the other hand, they're investing very heavily in technology to eliminate those drivers, uh, in automated driving technology. So uh, eventually they hope to eliminate uh, many or all of those uh, drivers that they've hired. Now, 
Is it their responsibility to worry about those drivers? The truth is the answer is no. Uh, we shouldn't be expecting companies out of the kindness of their heart say, well, I'm not going to put my technology out there because it might put people out of work. That's not what we want to do. But that means that we need to be dealing with those kind of societal costs in other ways, and that's through various social and economic policies, of course, that uh, help us to uh, train, retrain people and make sure that they're, they're not uh, uh, unduly impacted by the advantages, the real advantages that these new technologies will bring. Again, changing gears, uh, one of the mm-hmm. questions we, that we received is that uh, people have seen movies where, you know, robots take over, I guess mean robots. Um, <laughs> is there a possibility that this could happen, or is this is that really futuristic? Well, you heard it first here. The short answer is no, not in the time frame that makes any, any difference to us. This is great for movies, a uh, popular image of these anthropomorphic robots coming alive wonderful for the Hollywood blockbusters, but it's just not going to become reality. Machines are not people. and They don't have in independent desires and instincts and aspirations. Like a robot that's designed to wash and fold laundry isn't suddenly going to wake up one day and decide that, it, my God, I really want to be a concert violinist. That's really not what's going on. And I think that we're being led astray by these television shows and movies because that's what's in people's minds. Because the real future battleground with machines is going to be economic, and it's not going to be military in that sense. That's good to hear, I guess. Again, switching gears, um, in the intro we said you're, you're affiliated with the Stanford Artificial Intelligence Labs for a number of years. Can you tell us what are some of the developments there that have struck you as the most important? Oh, sure, Tom. Happy to talk about that. The two most important breakthroughs in artificial intelligence are really in the area of machine learning and in sensory perception. You know, we've got an increasingly electronic world, and because of that, teaching a machine some new skills can be as simple as connecting it to the Internet or hooking up the camera and letting it watch what you do. This is what machine learning is about. Now, the combination of those two new technologies is going to permit machines to perform a very wide variety of tasks that today require human skills or intelligence. So the old saying, you know, computers can only do what they're programmed to do, is no longer true. And that's the message I'm trying to bring to uh, your audience uh, from my experience uh, at Stanford and previously at other laboratories as well. In your book, there's a lot of, of things that, that you covered. If, if you could choose one thing for our readers to think about after reading the book, is it different than what we've been discussing or is it one of the points that we've touched on? Well, thanks for giving me an opportunity to summarize this. My concern in my book, Humans Need Not Apply, basically this. Today, we tolerate a certain degree of economic and social inequity in the interest of raising our average standard of living. That's a good thing. But we've got a new coming wave of automation, and it's really raising the specter of a world where, you know, those one percenters, they have it all, while everyone else struggles to survive. So the question I think I'd like your listeners to consider is, just how far are they willing to let that go? You know, we certainly want to reward the people whose ideas and hard work improve our lives, but how much is enough? We need to consider the types of social and economic changes that uh, don't impede technological progress, but to distribute the benefits of those pro- product, uh, progress much more widely across a broad swath of the population. Jerry, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. 
Again, the title of Jerry Kaplan's book, that's K-A-P-L-A-N, is Humans Need Not Apply. Just go on Amazon or Google it. Thanks again, Jerry. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Why, thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Next week, uh, we're again going to be live from our New York offices. Uh, and uh, I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan DiOri, and Jose Batista for our Week in Review. Uh, Taylor Redden's our producer. Tess Henshaw is our executive associate producer. And Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And without Robert Bomback and the KFNX AM 1100 production department, not a word we said would you hear. Thanks again for listening. Please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions or ask questions uh, for Jerry uh, by sending an email to our website, which is techtalk at imi-us.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.